Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm your usual host, Matthew Wellington, and I'm joined this afternoon by uh, Joe Herbert. Hi, guys. So, for those of you who don't know, who, are, who haven't been on Twitter or Facebook and stuff, um, there was a show recorded yesterday by Joe and uh, Thomas and some other people, but it didn't um, didn't come out too well, did it? So, we're kind of doing another show today. Um it's a bit awkward when you're just first starting up Skype and trying to record because everyone's got different things. People using iPads and phones and, and laptops. And unless you've got all the right sort of gear, like, like we have today, then yeah, the quality can be a little bit varying. So hopefully this one is perfectly clear and crystal clear like it should be when, uh, whenever I record because I've been doing this for like six years now. So I should, uh, be able to keep up a progressive, good quality sounding podcast so today we've got a bunch of things to cover we're going to talk about the nba draft lottery which took place last night later on um but first we're going to get the game which took place this morning out of the way it's got the warriors and the the houston rockets and then we're just going to preview quickly uh tonight's matchup between the cavaliers and the hawks so all of this was done yesterday so this is probably going to be like deja vu for joe but um yeah it's a whole new show for everyone else so we'll do our best So last night, the huge win, well, for the Warriors, the 110-106 win behind Stephen Curry's 35 points. As they struck late, I think they came from 16 uh, 16 points down at one stage. And it was just a really good game, really fun game. It was on late. It was like, what, 9 o'clock Eastern time, which I hate because it's like 2 a.m. So it's a bit of a pain in the ass, especially when they're trying to grow the sport over here. But this was a really competitive game. I think you had Harden, the guy who lost out on the MVP, going up against Curry, who won the MVP, and and both didn't disappoint. They both played really well, and it ended up being quite fiery and quite competitive at some stages. You had um, Trevor and Reza and Draymond Green got sort of wrapped up together, and yeah, it, they they almost had a little bit of a scuffle. Kevin McHale wasn't very happy, but it was a it was a, it was a great game to watch and big minutes from a lot of the guys like key guys. You got Trevor Ariza and the bench for the Houston Rockets stepping up, playing big. Dwight Howard went out with an injury. It looked like he tweaked. I think it was his left. Was it left leg? Yeah. So that's a bit worrying. Um, Josh Smith in the press conference afterwards wasn't exactly confident with regards to whether or not he'll be back. Um, for game two, Kevin McHale wasn't really saying much, and Dwight was just being Dwight, you know, talk, being his usual cheerful self, trying not to give anything away. But if he doesn't play in this series, then it's going to cause some real problems. Because when he was on the floor at the start of the game, um, the Rockets were on a run. I think they won that first quarter, th- thirty-one to twenty-four, and a lot of it was because of Dwight. There was a, several turnovers throughout this game, and that was one of the bigger problems that they had towards the end, was just turning the ball overs at stupid points. So, yeah, a competitive matchup between these two teams. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Howard thing was interesting for me because Bogut ended up with no points and Steve Kerr actually took him out for long spells of the game because of what was happening, not just on the boards, but in the pick and roll. Bogut wasn't quite with it. Um, but I think I think McHale brought Terrence Jones in in place of Howard and he I think Capella got some in. They just they just didn't give Houston what they needed and turnovers were were a problem. Houston likes to play high pick and rolls. Howard's very good at them. They yeah, they they really struggle. I think that could actually decide the matchup because we were all saying yesterday that it was gonna be not very close, but Houston proved that they could make it close in that first quarter. But if Howard is out for any period of time, I I can't see this going any other way. Yeah, and his defensive rebound efficiency ratings are like 82% as a percentage. So he's phenomenal when he's on the court for them on that end of the court. And he's, he's, he's productive on the offensive end as well. He's not as productive as someone like James Harden and Josh Smith has been throughout some of the, some of the games on the offensive end in the past two series. But 
he's a huge guy for them and he helps block those um those sort of contested jumpers that the Warriors seem to to like taking a lot. But I think a lot of this came down to sort of you had Curry was just bombing it from from downtown. Like he transition threes, pull up threes were just ridiculous. I think he hit something like three from three in his contested shots, which was just you know, that's a phenomenal record and he played like the MVP, he got the MVP chance towards the end. And his shooting just seems to be improving and improving throughout these playoffs. I think it went up to forty two point three percent um as a as an overall for the postseason after th- this morning's game. So he's playing some incredible basketball. And then you had the matchup between um Clay Thompson and James Harden and James Harden really took it to to Clay. I think Clay struggled to guard him. So at one point Steve Kerr made the adjustment and ended up putting Clay on Trevor Ariza and when he did that he sort of held Ariza to, to well to four points, which I thought was superb during sort of six minutes of, of quite heavy close contact defense. So he played really well and yeah, Harden was just unstoppable. I think he's the one guy that if you're the Warriors, you've kind of got to be figuring out how you can defend him because it doesn't seem to matter who you put on him. He's just going to get, he's going to get his, you know, his 20 points that he seems to be getting. Yeah, I think it's also a struggle because he gets to the line as well. He's very, um, he's very attacking. Um, you know, I don't think it's as much about stopping him. I think even if you ask Steve Curry's, you know, people are saying if there's a way to stop James Harden, we haven't found it yet. So, I think it's just about limiting him. And I think it's about limiting the role players as well. You know, Trevor Ariza, I think, ended up with four for five from downtown yesterday. And role players are often what win you these big games because it can it can come down to that. And I think it came down to that yesterday as well. Yeah, Sean Livingston came off the bench and I think he had 18 points. 14 um, in the fourth or third, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, it's about those players stepping up because we all know that you know, Thompson, Curry, Harden, Howard, they're all going to do it most nights. And yeah, I, I still think it's going to come down to these role players. They're going to get your buckets. I mean, the, the, the role players thing is a good point to make because you had Jason Sterry, uh, Jason, Jason Sterry, who's he? Um, <laughs> Jason, Jason Terry obviously starting in these playoffs in place of uh, Patrick Beverly, who has supposedly said he wants to come back for these Western Conference finals, but we don't know whether, whether he'll do that or not. But if he does come back, they certainly would, uh, would need him because Jason Terry was, was pretty, poor in this game defensively he looked bad he can't match up with Stephen Curry or Clay Thompson he just doesn't look good out there so bringing in someone like Patrick Beverly who's got that that ability to defend on the perimeter and also get inside it would help them massively but you know you can't rely on somebody who's been injured for however many months it's been now like to come straight back in and uh, play big minutes in a, in a Western Conference Finals. But Trevor Reza was superb he hit a huge three towards the end as well to cut the game so I think it was two points for sort of 17 seconds left to go so he played really well and that's been one of the key things for like the Rockets run throughout this whole playoffs is their bench production they're just getting you know two of the biggest plays in the uh in the semi-finals came from Pablo Prigioli which is like something that you you just wouldn't expect Clint Capella's when, when he's played has been fairly productive and I think Kevin McHale said that when he's seen him in training he's making a real effort to stand out and I guess if someone's doing that you've got to give them some time but Corey Brewer's come alive he's sort of been a so-so player you know, ever since he's, he he entered the NBA, but he's found he's found his he's found his role in this team, and Josh Smith as well coming out and and having big games. And Josh Smith has got this; he's he still well, he shot the ball a lot last night. I think he shot something like thirty seven percent. But that's he needs to improve that, and he has been you know fairly consistent throughout the series before. So I just think we can't take much from this game one. It was close. I think the score towards the end when the Warriors were up quite big kind of didn't really give too much away. But if Dwight Howard comes back, it's going to be a lot more competitive because they'll be able to defend the ball a lot easier. 
Yeah, I mean, and it also, you know, the rebounding efficiency you talked about earlier, it's a big part of the game. And people could talk about Andrew Boga being good, and it's nice to see him back. But Dwight Howard's on, a, for me, a different level to him. I just... And even if they bring on David Lee, I mean, he's a good player, and Azili isn't bad, he gets up, but I just think they need Howard. You know, there's a couple well, of... yeah, others. the 15-point lead was when, you know, Howard was on the court, so... Yeah. <laughs> His I mean, defence is the big thing. You know, all the analysis at the moment is about how Houston can't win without Howard, and, you know, maybe that's you know, a bit radical, but I agree with it. I just, I just don't think they have the post-defence you need in these big games without him. And they struggle to contain small ball as well. They don't have the lineup to really compete with that. I think the Warriors have sort of mastered the art of that. You know, when Mark Jackson first came in and got them to their playoffs, um, I think it was against the Nuggets. They played small ball and, you know, they, he gave a bunch of, of, well, back then they were rookies, you know, starting jobs like Harrison Barnes and Draymond Green and Festus Azelian. They've all come in and now they're having bigger impacts in this game. I thought Festus Azili played well. He was getting, um, a bit of a, a, bollocking from um the TNT not TNT guys the ESPN guys but I thought he was playing well when he came on and yeah just an overall really good production getting from like the Warriors in general so they take a 1-0 series lead um game two is going to be an interesting one obviously depending on whether or not Dwight Howard comes back it could be 2-0 quite uh quite quickly but this series I don't think is over I think a lot of people just writing off the Rockets for no apparent reason if they've proved anything this playoffs, it's that they're just going to be there and they're just going to be annoying. I mean, if they can come back from, I think it was, what was it, 16 against the Clippers or, or whatever it was, then they're more than capable of uh, of taking a game or two from the Rocket, uh, for the Warriors, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's clear there's a lot of heart in that team. They could have really folded against the Clippers in that game, but they didn't. They they kept it going. They were, Yeah, they were hitting tough shots, but they were taking them. There was still a confidence in the team. And I think the difference that they've got now without Chandler Parsons and with people like Josh Smith and Trevor Ariza is that there's just more of a team chemistry. And that is really important, especially in the finals. You know, Josh Smith is Dwight Howard's best friend and Ariza's come in instead of Chandler Parsons. I think he's done a great job in just tightening up the defense and offering probably the same sort of stuff, but at a higher level than Parsons did. Hi, it's Peter Vetti. You're listening to Double Clutch Podcast. Don't believe anything these guys say. Okay, so moving on, uh, we'll preview tonight's game quickly and then we'll go on to the draft. Um, the Cavaliers take on the Hawks tonight. I think it's half one in the morning, uh, tomorrow morning. So if you're staying up tonight and you're listening to this today, this is when it gets confusing. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Easter Conference uh, finals take place tonight. You've got the Hawks who finished with the number one seed in the Easter Conference facing the second seed in the Eastern Conference. That's been the, the familiar theme for these playoffs. You've got the ones and twos from both conferences coming out and, and battling out in the finals, which is going to be, which is going to be great. But I think this is a, this is a weird contrast of styles. You've got like the Hawks who've got this, you know, mutual basketball mentality where it's all about passing the ball and finding great shots, not necessarily the best shots, but finding great shots. And then you've got the Cavaliers who are like this three point bombing team. And I think there was a stat that ESPN ran last night during the Rockets game that, um, Something like four of the top five three-point shooting teams are now left in the in the finals, which is a ridiculous stat, really. I think the fifth was um was the Clippers, who obviously got knocked yeah. out. But you've got the Cavaliers who are going to come in, and I think they're just going to try and stretch the floor. Obviously, without Kevin Love, it's going to be a different different uh, game style for them. But they adapted against the Bulls, and I think they overcame a big obstacle there. I think that was one of the one of the defining moments of sort of their season, really. And then you've got the Hawks who have not really found top gear, I think it's safe to say yet, but they've been, you know, they've, they've got themselves through two difficult, um, first and second round series and, 
and now they're here and they're, they're in their first ever um, conference finals, which is massive for them. I mean, everyone knows them as sort of the San Antonio Spurs of the East. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, take on LeBron James because LeBron doesn't exactly have a, a thrilling uh, time when he plays against a Spurs-like team, does he? <laughs> no, he doesn't. But the, the state talks about about the th- uh, four of the top five three-pointed teams being in it. I think Jalen Rose tweeted it to Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson came out a couple of weeks ago on Twitter and said, so how are all those three-point yeah. teams doing? But I mean, I think, you know, the game is evolving now. I think it is becoming more about that. You've got analytics um, arising and stuff like that. But, you know, they're not just taking threes. Both of, the teams, uh, both of these teams work them very well. That's what I like about them over Houston. I think Houston often just sort of hoist them up in sort of a seven seconds or less style. They did break a record for the most attempts this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but... I've a lot of credit has to go to David Blatt for me for what the job he's done in these playoffs because he lost Kevin Love. They they played a Princeton system where Love stretched the floor, created driving angles for Kyrie. He loses him and Tristan Thompson can't space the floor. But what he's done is he's you know he's put him in and around the basket so he can get offensive rebounds and create more shots. And I think Blatt has done a terrific job and he's gone under the radar really. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things in this series is going to be just the, the sheer fact that LeBron James is in this in this series. He's been phenomenal this playoffs. Like he's been under the radar because everyone's obsessed with with what Anthony Davis was doing in round one and what Chris Paul and Stephen Curry and James Harden and Jimmy Butler and all these other guys have been doing. But LeBron James is still here, and he had that huge game five against the Bulls. And I fully expect you know he's the, the he's the X factor in this series because I don't think they have unless you play Demare Carroll on him, but he could get in foul trouble you don't really have anyone if you're the Hawks to stop LeBron James because um the your guys who who did have a big impact during the regular season aren't playing. No, and also they've lost Cephalosha on the defensive end yeah. who could do a job on Kyrie or LeBron really. He's a great defender. But yeah, we're talking about your Horford's turned up in the last series, but I've not seen enough from Millsap. Jeff Teague has been pretty non existent and Carl Corver, you know, his three point shooting percentage in the regular season was pretty outrageous really but, <laughs> yeah, but it's just not been there in the playoffs and but you know they might step up in a big series you don't know i mean it's really hard to call this one yeah and it could be interesting to see how they how the the, the uh, cavaliers try and guard someone like carl corver because he is a long guy at that small forward position so he's gonna he's gonna cause problems but i think i can't remember who it was somebody on twitter and i've mentioned this before was saying you know what else does he do but during the regular season he was just improving and improving in all different aspects of the game and we just haven't really really seen that but just going back to like LeBron quickly he's leading all he's like fourth in playoff scoring um he's third in assists he's just the, the guy at the moment and he's going to be the real difference in this series just because the Hawks don't have a star like as much as we hate bringing it up you kind of need stars at the these moments in in time and they're the guys who win you games you look at like Derek Rose having big games for the Bulls in the last series and then you had Kyrie having games in against the Celtics and you, stars step up at this time of the season and that's that's the one thing that the Hawks have lacked and I think they've really shown it so far Brooklyn and Lionel Hollins kind of got into them by you know forcing them into taking shots that they thought were good and they really weren't like you know playing a lot of high screens and 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 low screens and just messing messing with their rhythm really and it worked incredibly well and then that was taken on in, in the next round by the Wizards who Arguably, with the best, like they're playing the best basketball in the whole of the Eastern Conference in these playoffs, and they're out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, for me, Washington lost that series rather than Atlanta won it because 
they had a big lead, I think it was in game five. Yeah, it must and then have been. They, they just completely blew it. Um, even with John Wall on the court, which was crazy because they won game three with Ramon Sessions playing point guard. <laughs> but, you know, and Atlanta just, I, I don't know what we're going to get from them because they, they were good against Cleveland in the regular season, but they've not shown for me enough in these playoffs to suggest that they're going to beat them. And, you know, you talk about the no stars. Yes, they got four all stars, but I think it can come down to sort of isolation play in these games. You know, who's going to yeah. take, who's going to take the big shot. I don't look at anyone on, that Atlanta team and think they can you know put up 10 straight points no I completely agree with you that's why you've got so if Kyrie's healthy then this series could possibly be over because Teague as as you know as good as Teague can be he's not looked himself this season or this series sorry so whether or not he has a big step up I mean last year against the 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 paces he came out and had huge games and everyone didn't really didn't really see it coming was it against the paces yeah, it was yeah. round one. I'm just double checking. I was getting that right there. I'm going to get a load of <laughs> a load of shit on Twitter for it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just don't think that the Hawks have got enough. As as well as their team works and as as well coached as they are by Mike Budenholzer, I just don't think that they'll be able to deal with something like you know LeBron playing isolation basketball or Kyrie if he's healthy playing isolation basketball. And that's the big thing is you've got someone like Tristan Thompson who has been much maligned throughout his whole career so far, yet he came in in the in the Bulls series and had huge impacts on the offensive end. And he's a monster on the offensive glass. Like He's a, f- a superb player. He's really athletic, gets in people's faces, and he's got a lot of length. And I think that's going to cause you know Paul Millsap and Al Horford issues because if there is anything they've got against the Cavs, it is their size. And I think Tristan Thompson, from his sheer like spurt ability, if that's a word, um, is going <laughs> is going to cause them problems in the interior. Yeah, I think he is. You know, Hawks sacrifice a bit of height so they can play the sort of you know that Spurs like basketball jump shooting, and you know all five of their starters can shoot. But I do think they because they have problems against the Nets with you know Brook Lopez and um, uh, one of the yeah big the lineups Plumley. I can't remember which one it is who plays for them. But <laughs> a big problem with him, I think it could come down to that because even if Cleveland don't play well, Thompson's guaranteed a couple of offensive boards and if they hit the shots on them, that could be the difference in these close games. And Mozgov's been playing well as well throughout these playoffs. So I think it is going to come down to sort of you've got that interior battle between those four guys and then you've got this perimeter thing. If Kyle Corver's making his shots then the Atlanta Hawks are a completely different animal because you kind of have to guard him and you can't really leave him alone, can you? So you have to... Do that. And it's, just, it's exactly the same with the Hawk, with the, with the Cavaliers. So if like if Shumpert's playing well on a defensive end and J.R. Smith's making threes, then you just have to adapt your gameplay. So there's a real contrast in styles here. But for me, I'm taking the Cavaliers. I just can't really see LeBron James not getting to a finals. Yeah, I'm going Cavs in six or seven. I, I think it's going to come down to him. He's the best player in the league. He's arguably the best of his general, but he comes up in big moments. There's still a rep among some people that he's a choker, but I don't know how people can Not still much. say that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get it. I mean, you've just got to look at the stats, and I, I do think they've just got enough. Even people like Shumper and, you know, J.R. Smith can have those nights. All you need... Deliver Dover. Yeah, exactly. He, he had 16 last game. All you need <laughs> is one of those guys to have a night. That's how Miami won it under LeBron. Mike Miller and Shane Battier in the in the deciding games of the finals shot, you know, hit 20 points each. I think it could, I really do think it's just going to come down to that, but yeah, the 
Cleveland in six, I'm going with. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like impact from just one or two players. If it's James Jones, Mike Miller, Eman Shumpert, like one guy comes off and has a big game, like we've seen in other series with like Josh Smith and, and Pablo Pagioni and guys like that. It, it would make an impact. And I think that would be, that's the way this series is going. I just think there's a little more there for the Cavs on that bench than there is for the Hawks. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, so moving on finally to the, uh, the NBA draft lottery, which took place last night. Um, it was weird over here because we had NBA countdown and that came on at sort of 1230. Um, and then we had like an hour of that and then we had the, the lottery and then at 2 a.m. we finally had the game. So it kind of kept you up. Um, but if you, me and you just couldn't be bothered you sort of fell asleep like just as the game tipped off <laughs> i can't be dealing with these like 2 a.m 3 a.m starts to do my head in and then you try and play catch up in the morning and if you're using like the xbox app i don't think you can turn the scores off on the xbox no, one can. which is a bit annoying so yeah i have to use my apple tv then <laughs> um so the first round uh the the tops sort of 14 picks were, were chosen last night should we go should we go from bottom to top or one down Oh, good Giving you an executive decision here. <laughs> um, so the 14th pick went to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, the 13th pick went to the Phoenix Suns. The 12th went to the Utah Jazz. Um, 11, the Indiana Pacers. 10, the Miami Heat, which means they keep their pick. Um, uh, 9, the Charlotte Hornets. 8, the Detroit Pistons. 7, the Denver Nuggets. 6, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, 5, the Orlando Magic. 4, the New York Knicks. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, three, the Philadelphia 76ers. Two, the Los Angeles Lakers. And then number one, your Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, very happy with that. <laughs> I'm not exactly crying with a second pick, if I'm being honest. For all the crap I've had this season from people, especially yeah. on here. <laughs> I think you're at the jackpot. I mean, that, you're going to get one of the two big men. I can't see Russell or Moody going in the top two. But I'm really happy for us deserve a bit of luck we've had awful luck in the lottery yeah we could have got Kyrie and we ended up with Derek Williams so yeah now you and Thomas are sort of well, you Thomas and Frankie are all sort of like, with the, we clash you as our, as our double clutch draft experts so I'm going to leave all of that to you if we can start talking about that but obviously Timberwolves finished the league's worst record this season 16 and 66 they had a 25% <laughs> chance of landing that number one pick which was the best um, odds among all 14 teams but it was actually some sort of an upset really because only three teams of the past 21 lotteries w- who had the highest likelihood of winning the number one pick have actually come away with the number one pick and I think the last one was um, the Orlando Magic with Dwight Howard yeah Flip was really happy I think you know we had a lot of bad luck when he was coached the first time round so it's nice to see us getting something our way but also he's going to get a big man because if we'd fall into three or four we would have likely ended up with a with a guard we don't really need any more guards we've got Kevin Martin Zach Levine Ricky Rubio Shabazz Muhammad can play there so I'm best possible result for me yeah and um, Dave was just putting on Twitter actually Dave he writes for us was just saying that you've got I think three of the last number one picks on your team or will have which is yeah crazy stat really I mean I don't know if you count Anthony Bennett but <laughs> <laughs> no I'd, I'd rather not <laughs> <laughs> can we sw- can you swap him for whoever's taking second? <laughs> I actually can't remember who's taking second that year. Oladipo, I think. Oh my god, Victor! You'd have loved that as well. Um, so the the second pick obviously went to the Lakers. They had an eleven point nine percent chance of the of of picking up the uh, of going up basically, and um, yeah, they moved up from what was predicted to be a fourth place spot into the number two slot. So yeah, Kobe Bryant was pretty happy. Put a nice little tweet out there, but. All of the sudden, my Lakers' future looks a little bit brighter. Um, 
You've got Julius Randle coming back. He's healthy after fracturing his right tibia during his first NBA game. And then you've got Jordan Clarkson, who was announced mm. as an all-rookie second-team point guard yesterday. So that's big. Kobe Bryant should be back, obviously, for his 20th season. Might be his final season. But if you can if you can add one of the bigs, like, you know, if it, if it's Anthony Towns or if it's Okafor, like, nobody really knows. It, it's, it's a big win for them and uh, an instant franchise changer, really, because all of a sudden they can, you know, they can get out of the depths of the Western Conference and suddenly be a uh, some form of a team again. Yeah, I think... I think this is big for the Lakers because you have got Clarkson. I think Ed Davis was quite good last year off the yep. bench as well. Um, Randall, I think, is still going to be good. So if you land Okafor, and you know, got then, a lot of cap room as well. Yeah, and you know you need to get rid of people like Wesley Johnson. But you know, if you've got you're looking at a starting five of you know involving Kobe, Randall, Okafor, or Towns and Clarkson as well, it looks pretty good for the Lakers. Yeah, it's far more optimistic than I think it was if we go back to like last week when I don't think anyone thought we had a chance. I think a lot of Lakers fans were just assuming we were going to lose that pick to the 76ers, but it didn't work out and, you know, Philly ended up with the third, which is, which is good for them. It's still a huge pick for them, but they, they could have had three top 14 picks in this draft, but it didn't fall that way. I think the chance of it falling that way was something like 2% or something ridiculous. So. It's probably unsurprising that it felt like that, but so the Philadelphia 76ers ended up with a 15.6% shot of landing atop of the draft board. Um, so they ended up with a third pick. And I think a lot of Philly fans are fairly happy with this. There's an Instagram video of, of a bar in Philadelphia and they're all cheering their heads off. They're going to get a chance at a good young talent here, whether it's D'Angelo Russell or someone like Justice Winslow. I don't know, but you're a draft expert. Could you help us out a little bit here? They need a scorer. I think, to be honest, they're the team who shouldn't be that bothered about falling outside the top two um, because the top two players in this draft are both big men. They don't need a big man. They've got Noel. They've got Embid to come back. He didn't um, play last season. I would imagine he'll play this season, but oh yeah, he will. I was just I was just stating that he was the first round pick <laughs> and didn't play last year. Yeah, I mean it'd be good for him to get that, but I'm imagining they're going to go D'Angelo Russell. He's a shooting guard. He can hit the three. They need a scorer. I mean their offense last year was absolutely dismal. You know their their defense wasn't that bad. I think they were quite high considering how badly they did, but. They need, they need to score. The the big losers of this are the Knicks, though. I mean, they have... They, honestly, they have really... That is a big shot in the foot, because... Wah, wah, wah. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, all the top three players, they can score, whereas the guy who's projected fourth is Emmanuel Moody. Apparently, he's a bit like a, a Rondo in his prime. Rondo's never been a great shooter. Moody, I can pass the ball really well. He's okay at the line, but he, apparently his shot is... It's not great, even in the Chinese league. So, you know, re- yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? That he went to play in China instead of choosing to mm. stick with college basketball. But then again, if you're thinking, if his mentality is like that, I want to play in China. I want the glitz and the glamour. New York's the best place in the world for him. He'll just stick his billboard everywhere, all over the boroughs. It'll just be amazing. Mm. <laughs> He'll love it. <laughs> It'll be great for him. But you know, sadly, he wasn't really what they needed. But you, you never know. He might become a great. Um, Guy, setup guy for Carmelo Anthony and whoever they go for in free agency. You know, if it's Greg Monroe or you know if Mark Gasol, even though I don't think he's going to go there, but you, you never know what's going to happen at New York. It's just you just don't know what you're going to get from the Knicks. Yeah, and there's been plenty of you know high quality All Star players who've been, who've been picked after the third pick in the draft. It's not mm. like 
you know, you pick the number one pick, they're guaranteed to be a star. Greg Oden, for example. It's just... Yeah, well, Anthony Bennett. Yeah, well, Anthony Bennett. You just... You, problems happen and you can't foresee these things. But if you if you scout well and you you, you, know, you know, analyse the players and their mindset and their mentality and how fit they are and healthy they are, then you shouldn't really run into any trouble unless it's a, a fluke. But yeah, the Knicks, a 19.9% chance of landing the number one pick. I think that was second. Um, and... Yeah, they've, they lost out big time, dropping to four. I think there's a couple of reaction videos and, and memes and stuff all over the internet of Knicks fans because they had like a whole, um, conference room set up with Nick, with all of their board and stuff waiting for the pick. And when they got the fourth, the whole place just sort of fell silent, really. So it was a bit of a bummer, but that's a huge drop for them. I mean, they're still going to get a good player, but whether or not they move the pick, I think is the biggest question here. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Phil Jackson did now. I think top three, no chance they would move it. But again, it it does go on how much he's going to trust these mock drafts because, you know, the Sixers have made some strange picks in the past. No one expects them to go for Embiid. Um, So it's it's a big risk because, you know, if he does trade that pick and then, you know, let's say the Lakers pick Moody Eye, it really, it's a difficult decision for Phil Jackson now. And this is, you know, make or break time for them, really. Well, it's the big year in general for a lot of these franchises. You look at some of the teams that have just been taken out of the taken out of the playoffs, and mm. they could blow them up. Portland, nobody really knows what's going on there. If Lamarcus Aldridge leaves, you've got sort of Damian Lillard and a bunch of role players, and yeah. no one really knows what's going on there. Memphis have insisted on sticking to this sort of old formulaic of. You know, you have two bigs and then you build around that. It hasn't worked out for them this year. The Bulls, if Tibbs goes, where does someone like Jimmy Butler end up? If he gets offered a, if he gets offered a max contract from, mm. from the Lakers or the and Knicks got, or someone like that and he goes off. You got off. the Nets as well. You know, the Nets could, they could have one of the worst records in the league next year. Yeah. I, I think the there's Lakers. only like four or five teams that you could probably look at and say, this is the team that should be, that will be back next mm. year. And you've got, to, you've got to be looking at some like Indiana they're probably going to get back in the playoffs next year so it is make or break for some of these teams and you know I'm looking at OKC I can't see them falling out of the playoffs again Um, Sacramento got George Carl they could if they get some good players they can maybe make a push for the eighth seed it's it's really big for some of these teams this year yeah Russell Westbrook representing the Oklahoma City Thunder he was like you got interviewed it's like (laughs) <laughs> how how much luck do you think you're going to bring? He's like, just look at my shirt. It's like, oh, for God's sake, Russell, stop it. <laughs> and then they interviewed him about Billy Donovan. And he just said, good dude. And that was it. That was the interview. <laughs> real confidence in your coach there. <laughs> There's a lot of teams that could be sort of setting them up for the future, though. I mean, if you look at, like, the Wolves are going to be this team that's stacked full of all this young talent. The like Lakers the could possibly well. be something like that. The Jazz, I, I was saying, like... Imagine if the Jazz had got a higher pick than like 12. If they'd got like a five or a six or something, they'd yeah. be a scary proposition because they've got a lot of talent with that team. And I think they're they average. Got a, they've got a good coach as well. He looked very good last year, Quinn Snyder. Yeah. And the average age is like 21, 22, something ridiculous. So one of the top, one of like the five youngest teams in the league. So yeah, it's all changed. But as usual, we'll bring you the uh, NBA draft. We'll do a live recording and then put it out as a podcast like we, we have done for the past. Uh, two drafts 
it will probably be Frankie Hobbs and Matthew Bates, maybe me, maybe a few others. I know there's a lot of people who want to get involved in the draft this year. Joe, I'm, I'm assuming you'll be one of them and Thomas and stuff. So yeah, I want to get on for our pick at least. So, <laughs> so we'll have to uh, figure out what we're going to do with that. But that's one of our fun things that we like to do every year is sort of, you know, mix it in with the uh, audio and post it out as if it was uh, recorded live because it, it is a difficult time of the night for, for British fans and staying up really late is a bit of a pain in the ass. But yeah, that's been our sort of draft um, lottery preview and our quick recaps. We'll be back at some point during the week with games two and uh, the rest of the series so far. So enjoy uh, the rest of the playoffs, guys, and we'll catch you during the week. Goodbye. Goodbye, guys. All right, guys. Good job. We didn't get number one. <laughs> but number two is okay in this case. Oh, <laughs> I'm upset.